Today's Shir Msech the Yavamis Daflamid Vav. We will begin on Daflamid Hayamid Beis, nine lines from the bottom of In our previous Shir, the Gemara had discussed the Machlaikis of Rav Yechen and Rish Lakish. If Bias Muberish may be up, if the Bia that is done with a woman who's pregnant is considered a halachically acceptable Yibam, Chalitzas Muberish Machalitza, if the Chalitz that's done with a Muberish, is considered a halachically valid chalitza. Ask the Gemara, again, on the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan, that holds a bias muberis is considered a valid bia. Meisve, the Brisa teaches us, has kindness If somebody does yibum, venitsa muberis, and the woman that he did yibum with turns out to be a pregnant woman, the tsara of that woman that of that Yavama, the other wife, should not do, should not have, should not get married. Shem Vlad ben Kayama. Maybe it'll turn out that this pregnant woman will have a child that is a viable child. Ask the Gemara, but why? Adarabba, if that is what it ends up being, to have a Vlad ben Kayama, if she ends up having a viable child, Mifter Tarasa, it'll be strong enough that this woman was not chayven yibam altogether because there was a healthy child born to the deceased husband. Ella Ema says the Gemara that the concern is not that she will have a child. The concern is Shem We need to be concerned that the child will not be a viable child. So Tysus points out that the Gemara speaks about the Bryce that we're learning is focused on the tzara. But it really doesn't make a difference if we're speaking about the tzara or about the woman herself who was uh, who they did the yibum with. The same conversation would be relevant. The Gemara focused on the tzara, says Taisus, to teach us that even the tzara is not, her shamer's yovam status is not lifted until we know what is the stat- status of this pregnant woman. So the Gemara said, first the Gemara said that this Tzara may not get remarried, because we're concerned maybe the Vlad will be a Vlad ben Kayama. And as we're going to see soon, what is the concern? Because the Allah is that it's not considered a valid Yibam until the child is actually born. So the Mitzvah Asin asks a question. The Gemara says that we're concerned that maybe the Yibum, the concern was a good yib, was the Yibum that was done a good Yibum or not. But ask the Mitzvah Eitzah. Let's say the child ends up to be a, a viable child. The Halachi, so that means that the Yibum that was done with this pregnant woman was certainly not a valid Yibum. So ask the Mitzvah Eitzah, we want that the tsar should be off the hook, so to speak, because the woman, the pregnant woman, had yibum. But how can we think that the yibum of an individual who's going to have a viable child should be considered a good enough yibum that should exempt the tsar from any further issue? As we learned earlier in Amasechta, the only time the Rabbi Yochanan, we learned, on Daf Yudam Abayis taught us 
that how does this entire concept work? That one yibum works for all the for all the wives of the of the husband who died. So we explained the reason why one yibum works for all the husbands that died. The explanation was because they're all a shliach. But how could this woman who's having a yibum that she's not supposed to have because she's pregnant and hopefully is going to have a viable child? How could that yibum could be considered a yibum that will exempt the tzorah? So answers the mitzvah Eisen, that if at the end the child that's born is not a viable child, so retroactively we know, we realize that the yibum was a good yibum. So yes, even though at this moment it's not viable, we don't know the status of the yibum, but since ultimately we could know retroactively what was its status, that's a good enough reason that it should be considered that the Yibam should be valid, not just for this woman, but for Tzorah as well. Moreover, going back to a discussion that we had when we learned that Sugyan Daf Yod, this is not the typical Shlichus. In the typical Shlichus, indeed the Allah is that one is a Shlich for the other. This is not your typical Shlichus. And since it's not your typical Shlichus, that's why the Allah is... Is is not that if the, right now she's not able the shlicha the be it would not be effective. Visakadatach points out the Gemara. Visakadatach, if we're going to say bias muver shmabia, am I loy Why are we not letting the tsar get married? Tifter babia shalchaverta. When this woman has yibum, it should be sufficient for the tsar. Says the Gemara because of this question, Omar Baya. When it comes to the be, when it comes to be up, the Allah is kula ama loipligi. Everybody will agree, even Rabbi Yochanan will agree that a beer of a muberes loishma beer, that the beer of the muberes is not considered satisfactory to solve any issue for for the tzorah. Key pligi, the entire machlekes that we have in our Gemara that we're going to have between Rabbi Yochanan and Shlokish is regarding the chalitza. Rabbi Yochanan's, Rabbi Yochanan's opinion is the chalitza muberish machalitza. The chalitza of muberis is considered a valid chalitza. The beer of the muberis, as we just learned, Rabbi Yochanan agrees, is loishma beer. Rishlokish's Rishlokish's opinion is that just like the beer of muberis is not considered a valid beer, the chalitza of the muberis is not considered a valid chalitza. And the Rishonim attempt to explain that why is there a difference between the B of a Muberis, that everybody agrees it's not going to be valid, the Yibam of a Muberis, versus the Chalitz of a Muberis? So the simple explanation is that a Chalitza, if it's not necessary, doesn't represent anything that was, do- anything that was done was done wrong. The Chalitza, if it wasn't necessary, so they did a meaningless act. But if the beer was not supposed to be done, the beer is considered a bias iser. And a bias iser cannot be considered a valid yibam. That's one shot that the Rishonim suggests, the Ritva. Another explanation is that the Torah says, Ayin Olav. The Torah says, Obed Einloi. And often we've learned in Amasakta that we learn from the word Ein with the extra Yud in the word Ein, Obed Einloi. Ayin Olav. The Torah is specifically instructing us to determine if this woman 
is pregnant. And the Torah is specifically and explicitly teaching us that if the woman is pregnant, then any yibum with her would not be considered a valid would not be considered a valid yibum. Amalei Rava says Rava the obvious question. We need to understand. If we're going to say that the yibum or muberis is considered a valid yibum, then the chalitza or muberis shema chalitza. And if you're going to say that the Bia of Muberis was saying that everybody now is in agreement, that the Bia of Muberis Lashmabi is not considered a valid Yibam, then the Aloha ought to be that the Chalitz Muberis also Lashmai Chalitza should not be a valid Chalitza. Dr. Kaimelon, we've learned from the beginning of our Masech to ask the Gemara, Kola Oilul Yibam, where any woman that's a candidate for Yibam is Oilul Chalitza, and if she's not a candidate for Yibam, and Oilul Chalitza. So how could you say, Rabbi Yochan says, a muberis could have chalitza and not yibam. So in other words, the Gemara is teaching us that these two halachas travel together. So of course the Ritva asks that we've learned many times in our Masechta that the Mishnah, the Mishnah, the Gemara teaches us that the only option is chalitza and not Yibam. So we see that there is such a concept, only Chalitza and Yibam. So why does the Gemara's question all of a sudden now that the Gemara is so, trav- so concerned that if you can't have Yibam, you-, you shouldn't be able to have Chalitza. So the Arachaner takes the following approach. He says there's a difference when there's a suffix that could, when we have a question that we can never get to the bottom of it, Versus a question that will ultimately be able to be determined. In the cases that we've learned in Amasechta, where the only option available is Chalitza, is cases where we're stuck. We don't know what to do. And therefore, because we can't manage what to, to decide what to do, the Aloha tells us to do Chalitza and not Yibam. But in situations where there are options, like here, wait. Till we know the ultimate determining factors, their halacha is that kosha eno el yibam eno el chalitza. El amarava, therefore, Rava says, hachikomer. This is the way to understand Rabbi Yochanan's opinion. Somebody did yibam, and then it turns out that the woman is pregnant. Then the tsara may not get married till we know why may she not get married. Maybe the child that will be ultimately born will be a viable child. And the halacha therefore is that the yibum that was done with the mother was not a valid yibum. Because but there's going to ultimately be a child. The halacha is the child that will ultimately make that before the, the deceased husband had a child, neither wife is obviously a candidate for Yivam, that child only has that ability to do when he comes to the world. And now the Rav is going back and he's saying that according to Rabbi Yochanan and Rish are arguing in the basis, basic fact. According to Rabbi Yochanan, the Bia of Muberis and the Chalitza of Muberis is acceptable, and according to Rabbi Yochanan, it's fine. And according to a shlokish, it's not fine. But 
the moment that the child is born, that's the moment that is going to be the determining factor. We don't wait, we don't wait any further. So Rav Chaim Brisker explains, how do we understand this concept that only when the child is born, the Isser is determined? He says that the Isser Eishas Ach only is effective, it only is lifted when, we, when there is no child. And until the child is born, the Isser Eishas Ach remains. Because, as Rav Chaim asks, why shouldn't the Tsar be able to get married even before the child is born? The woman who's pregnant is an Eishasach, because the Alochi is, asks of Chaim Brisker, that we know an Eishasach, this everybody agrees, who's pregnant should not have Yibam. So if an Eishasach who's pregnant shouldn't have Yibam, so a woman that's an Eishasach who doesn't have, who doesn't have a Chiv Yibam is an Erva. We go back, Reb Chaim asks, to the first halach of Amasechta. The first halach of Amasechta taught us that a woman who is an erva exempts her tzara. So why is this woman who is pregnant and, and, and therefore not a candidate for Yibam also not able to exempt her tzara? Says Reb Chaim that even though she has the Isra Eishasach, the Isra Eishasach is different than all other ervas. Very bechidish. He says, all other ervis, we started the Masechta learning, don't have the ability, have the ability to exempt the erva and a tzara. This Eishasach does not have that ability. Emery Moshe answers that this woman is maybe not a candidate for Yibum because she's Muberis, but the Zika is still there. It says the Moshe, what prevents the tzara from the woman, and therefore her tzara, from being able to go any further, is the zika, is the zika that's there. It says the, uh, the, the stipler has a third explanation. The stipler explains that, as we said earlier, why is the muberis not able to have yibum? Because we spoke earlier, the Torah says, I know love. We have to look at this woman's situation. And the Torah is saying, says the stipler, that when the woman is in the status of Ayinolov, what that means to teach us is, leave everything in abeyance. And let's see, the Torah is specifically telling us, wait and see till we know what's going on. Says the Gemara, so Tanya Kavase the Rava, that the Aloha is, that the Vlad, the child doesn't have the ability to exempt the Ivoma and the Tzara until the child is actually born. Tanya Kavase the Rava, Somebody does yibum, and it turns out that she's muberis. The loch is that sorrow may not get married. Maybe the child will be a viable child. cannot do what they have to do. Ella have vlad poiti. You have to wait till the child is born. And as we said, the vlad ain't so what do we see from here? Asked the Gemara. Tama, the consideration is the Shem Yemivlad Ben Kayama. Maybe he'll be a viable child because, and therefore, the Tzara needs the birth of the child to exempt her, not a Yemen Vachalitza, which is a meaningless Yemen Vachalitza. Halaya have Vlad Kayama. But what would be if the child is not a valid, valuable child? 
then it would be considered a, a good Yibam Mechalitza. Ask the Gemara, Beresh Lakish has been teaching us, Lema, to have a Tiyot says that the Yibam Mechalitza that's ever done with a child, whatever done with a pregnant woman, is not considered a Yibam Mechalitza. In other words, what the Gemara is saying is as follows. There are two ways of exempting an Ashish Ach from Yibam. What is if the deceased husband did not have children, and the other way is if, if if he didn't if he had children, and the other way is if either wife had yibum mechalitza. So now explains the explains the the Gemara. What the Gemara is saying is like this: If indeed the child that's born is viable, so we need to understand why she had to wait until that viable child was born. Because until the viable child is born, it's not considered as a child, which is one of the ways that the chiv of yibum is lifted. But if the ch- but that's the only concern, and that's why the Bryce is saying we're waiting. It seems that the Bryce is telling us that if there isn't a viable child, if there isn't a viable child, then the yibum of the chalitza that would be done on the wife even though she's pregnant, would be a good Yibam Mechalitza. But ask the Gemara, Rish Lakish has been teaching us in the last two shiurim that the, bio, the Yibam of the Chalitza of a pregnant woman is never, is never a good Yibam Mechalitza. It doesn't seem that that's what the Brisa is teaching us. Amalach Rish Lakish. So has Rish Lakish defend himself? Hachitani. This is the way to understand the Brisa. HaKadosh event of Nitzim Buberis if you do yibum on a pregnant yivama, shem Now the focus is very different. The focus is that the child, the, the child will not be viable, and even though the child is not viable, the yibum or chalitza that was done on this woman will not be helpful because chalitza muberes loishma chalitza or bias muberes loishma chalitza. So Rish Lakish is saying that it has nothing to do with the child. It has to do with the Yivama's pregnant status. The fact that she's pregnant is what prevents her tzara from prevents that Yibam Chalitza from being effective. It's not effective for her, and it's not effective for tzara also. But ask the Gemara, why did the Brisa add the word Shavlad Enepetas Achiyotza if that is according to the way Rishlokish is interpreting the Brisa, irrelevant to the halacha that the Brisa is teaching us. What's only relevant is the fact that she's a muberis, which makes that her yibam machalitza is ineffective. So why did the Brisa add the words, Because in time of Nashim, the Brisa is asking, why don't we look? Why don't we follow Rav? In all areas of halacha, we follow Rav. And we know. Right, Nashim, Vlad, Malya Yeldon. They're going to, Mitzvah have a, a, a viable child. So shouldn't that be enough of a reason that the Tsarish should be able to get remarried and not have to wait? Answers the Gemara, the child ain't a paita at Shiatzalavir Eilam. So, what the Bryce is teaching us is that even though throughout Halacha we rely on Rav, here we don't rely on Rav. But asks from Moshe Feinstein's Zetzal in the Dibris Moshe that even though we always rely on, on Rav, that's only when it's not a Dovish Sheshla which means 
as we said earlier now, Shir, if it's a situation where ultimately we're going to know what's going on, then we don't rely on Rav. Just wait to find out. That's why, for example, the Mishnah Masechta Be'ya begins the Masechta, that if we have a question that will ultimately not be a question, that's called a Dovashesh Lamatirim, and we don't say Rav, we don't say anything. So here too, what's the Havamina to accept, to rely on Rav, that the Bryce is telling us we don't rely on Rav? Of course we don't rely on Rav, because ultimately we'll be able to figure it out without the Rav. Answers Ramosham that this concept that we don't rely on Rav by Dovashesh Lamatirim is only Midrabonim. The discussion that we're having in our Gemara, the discussion that we're having in this Brysa is from the Dereisadigah perspective. And from the Dereisadigah perspective, there is no difference. Amr Belazah. Sanara Belazah makes a comment. Rish Lakish is saying such an important rule that the Yibam of Mubaris is not meaningful, is, is ineffective. The Chalitza of Mubaris is ineffective. So ask Jebelazah, if this statement's true, how could it be the, 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 there's no Mishnah that supports this state, that shows us this halacha. So he said, He went to search through the body of Mishnayis that there should be a, Mish, a Mishnah that supports Rishlakish's rule. So he says that he found one. The Mishnah teaches us, There's a woman that her husband and, other, and the husband's other wife went overseas. And they report to her, Your husband died. She's not allowed to have chalitza and get married. And she's not allowed to have yibam. Until she could be certain that the, that the wife that went where the husband is not pregnant. Says the Gemara, We understand why this woman who's still home is not allowed to have Yibam, because we have to be concerned, maybe her co-wife is pregnant, and maybe the child, hopefully the child that's born, will be a valid child, so she has no right to have Yibam with a brother-in-law, because the Israel is in effect there. And therefore, we're concerned, But the question is, why can't she have Chalitza? The Mishnah said she can't have Chalitza. That she should have Chalitza within the nine months from when it was reported that her husband died and get married within those nine months. I could understand why Loi, because it's a Suffolk. We don't know what is the situation. Maybe the Tsar is pregnant and she's going to have a viable child. And then there's no need, the Chalitz and the Yibam are not valid because she's a Muberis. And we have to wait for the child to be born. Ella, why is the Halacha not? The Tachlitz B'Toych Tisha, let her have Chalitz within the nine months from when her husband died. And the Chalitz B'Tinasei, and then right after that nine months, she'll be allowed to get remarried. Because, let's think about it, if the Tzara had a baby and it wasn't viable, that means we can rely on the Chalitza that she had during this nine period month that she was waiting. If the Tzara 
had a viable child, and now the child is ready to be born. And even if you follow the opinion that the child cannot exempt a woman from chalitza until he's born, this child was born. So the chalitza that was done was a meaningless chalitza. So why can't we have chalitza during, the nine mo- during these nine months? What will be the downside? It must be that the, the, bright, the Mishnah is teaching us that the chalitza that's done during the, not, during the time that the woman, that the other wife is pregnant, is not a viable, is not an effective chalitza because chalitza muberes, leishma chalitza. Ask the Gemara. So that's the raya from this Mishnah that the halach indeed is the chalitza muberes, leishma chalitza. Ulam tamech, ask the Gemara, tachlitz. So what's the big deal? Let, that you're saying that we're concerned that the, she's going to have chalitza while the other wife is pregnant, and the chalitza therefore is not a valid chalitza. And therefore, she can't get married until she knows what is the status of the other wife that's overseas. Why can't she do chalitza and after nine months? Because by then, for sure, whatever the situation is, if there's a child, he was born already. And if there is no child, then she's a candidate for chalitza, and she should be able to have get married after the nine months. Yet, what did the Mishnah say? What does she have to wait past nine months? Says the Gemara, We can't bring a raya from there to Reish Lakish. This that we said that she can't do anything between before that is not for the reason that we've been discussing. We, the reason she can't have chalitza or yibam until we exactly know what's happening is for a whole different consideration. The consideration is what Abai bar Abba, Shem Vad Ben The concern is that she'll have chalitza. Whenever she'll have the chalitza, during the nine months that she doesn't know if her co-wife is pregnant, after the nine months, but and she'll have the chalitza to be sure. And then, and then, the child, she did had the other wife had a child, and the child was a viable child. So what are we going to say that the chalitza was meaningless? If the chalitza is meaningless, the nimtza at the matzricha cruz lakuna. What's going to be? What's going to happen here is that we're going to have to make a new announcement saying that the chalitza was a meaningless chalitza, and she. And she could now marry Cain because a chalutza was not married, was, is, may not marry Cain. But here, if there was a child born and he was a viable child, he or she, the halacha will be that the chalitza was meaningless, and we'll have to make an announcement. So ask the Gemara. So let's So make the announcement. And it says the Gemara Chazal were concerned. Dilma There might be someone who attended the chalitza and knows. That this woman is a chalutza, have but he won't be there when the hachroza is made. And since he won't be there when the hachroza is made, he won't. He'll think that this woman is a chalutza, and he sees that she gets married to a kain, and therefore it could come out that people will come to the misconception or starting to believe incorrectly that that a kain is allowed to marry a chalutza, which of course 
is not is not true. So there's an interesting question that we're, we're concerned that the chalitza was not necessary and people would not understand. So people would not understand. And the question is that what does that mean? So some are trying to mean that's why we should never let him marry a Kayin. But they didn't want to do so because people will not understand what's happening. But I saw Rabbi Kivega says a very interesting word. He says that let's say this woman who has the chalitza, which actually may turn out to be unnecessary, and she is told, well, we can't let you have chalitza because if the chalitza turns out to be unnecessary, we're going to have a very big issue with you being able to get remarried to Kayan or not get remarried. So what happens if this woman takes a shvua that she's ready to go through this process and she'll never marry a Kayan? She's never interested for in marrying a Kayan. Um, says 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 the Rukivega, then this concern about somebody being there by the Chalitza and not being there by the Chroza falls away. And therefore, says Rukivega, under such halach, under such circumstances, we would allow the woman indeed to have the Chalitza and get remarried. Says the Gemara, Abaya. But Abaya says to Rebeloza, that the Brises say that she now have Chalitza and because of that, you're saying it's a raya that the chalitza muberis loytenos is not a chalitza, and that the loytenose is coming to teach us that even if she had that chalitza, it's a meaningless chalitza. The brisa says loytenose loytes yabim ketani. The brisa says that she's not allowed to get married, nor may she have yibum below chalitza. But it could very well be avli chalitzlo. But the brisa will actually be holding. That if she did have chalitza when the other wife was muberes, hachinam disharia. So if anything, the Gemara is suggesting that maybe this brisa is certainly not a raya to Rishlokish, but maybe it's a raya to Rabbi Yochanan, or it's certainly not a raya against Rabbi Yochanan. But says the Gemara, Tanya Kavasid Rishlokish, this brisa is explicitly like Rishlokish, hachayos muberes repila. If somebody had chalitza when she was pregnant, and then she has a miscarriage, so we would say, okay, now she could get remarried. She already had chalitza. Teaches us the Gemara, Tzricha chalitza menachem. She has to have chalitza from all the brothers. She has to have chalitza because the chalitza that was done while she was a muberes is a meaningless chalitza. And the Rishayim debate here, and we've discussed this, Machlokes Rishayim, who does she have to have chalitza? One, one opinion is, any chalitza from any of the brothers will be fine because the first chalitza was a meaningless chalitza. Others say that she could have chalitza from any of the brothers besides the brother who did chalitza when she was muberes because that brother did the chalitza and you're not supposed to do chalitza twice so he shouldn't be the second one to do chalitza. He should do chalitza again. Another brother should do chalitza. And then there's an opinion that says that all the brothers have to do chalitza. Because we've discussed earlier in Amasechta the concept of a chalitza psula, the concept of a weak chalitza, and this is a circumstance, say those Rishonim, of a weak chalitza. Because the first chalitza was done. There was a technical difficulty with that chalitza because she was muberes. But a weakened 
their chalitza, and now all of them are going to have to do chalitza. Says the Gemara, I'm a rover. The locha is like Rishlokish within the following three alochas. Chada, the first one, which is relevant to our shear, is the alocha bat chalitza, that the chalitza muberis and the bia muberis are not considered valid. Idach, the next alocha, the tnan, hamachalak nechosav al piv. We have often in Shas the discussion of an individual who, Rachmanlutzlon, is a shchimera. A shchimera is an individual who is very ill, he's a geysis, and even though normally to affect a transaction, we know you have to have a Kenyan, a shchimera doesn't even have to do a Kenyan. So the shchimera is laying on his deathbed, and he says, We know there are Hilchas Yerusha, but what this person did was, he decided one of his ch- children should get more than the share that he's entitled to, and or meet lechod. He said one of his sons should get less than he's entitled to the hishvin lehem es bechor. Or he said we know with the raisa bechor is supposed to get pishnaim. He's supposed to get double. He says the bechor should get an equal share. The dvarv kayobim shchimera devar shchimera kiksuvim kemesurim dami, and it's considered a valid gift. However, vim amam mishum yerusha. If he says. This is the way I want the Yerusha to be divided. Then it's Loyam Klum. His statement is meaningless. And the reason his statement is meaningless is because he's a Masna Masha Taira. The Taira established what are the Hulchus Yerusha. We can't modify it. So him by saying, well, this is going to be the Yerusha, it doesn't mean anything. Kosav, if he wrote a document how he wants the assets to be divided. And in any place of that document, he used the words matana, even though he might have used other words as well. As soon as the word matana appears anywhere in the document, then it's a matana, and a matana dvar of kayamim. The halacha is that it's not considered a matana. At Plenty, plenty of years to start the plenty, so plenty of punishments. Since he mentioned the word Yerusha, the word Matana explicitly, the, if he loses the word, as, as long as he uses the word Matana anywhere, the halacha is that, that and more than that, Mishlakish is saying that in order for the Matana to be considered a Matana, each brother has to, each son has to have the word matana. Using the word matana to one son and not using it for another son is not considered a valid, is not considered a valid way of, of making it a matana, that it should not be a problem with Hilchas Yerusha. Vidoch, where is the next case that we have a machloikis or where halachas like Rishlokis says the Gemara? That's not the Mishnah Masechta Babasu Kuflamanam of Aleph teaches us. He says somebody writes over all his assets to his son, which means like this: he is giving everything to his son, but he's retaining the rights of the Paris. That means if he owns a building, so he says, "I'm giving the building to my son." but I'm still able to collect the rent until I die. I'm giving the field to my son, but I keep all the produce until I die. So the halach is, 
the father can now not sell that asset. It already belongs to the son. On the other hand, the son can't sell this asset. The father has the right to get the payers, as we explained. And therefore, none, neither of them should sell it. But says the Mishnah, if the father did sell it, it's a valid sale until he passes away. But if the son sells it, then the sale is not considered valid until the father dies. Because until then, he's not the owner of this asset. If the, fa- if the son sold this asset while the father was still alive, and the son dies before the father, the buyer doesn't have anything. He does have rights for after the father dies. Because Rabbi Yochanan says, the fact that the father has the right to the payers, Kenyan Guftami is considered like the father still the owner. And since the father is considered the owner, the son has no right to do any sale. And therefore, Reb Yochanan understands, when does any sale that the son did be considered a sale? Only after the father dies. Then his ownership comes into effect, and then his sale comes into effect. But if the son died before, then he never had anything to sell, and the sale is not a sale. That even though the father has the Paris as long as he's alive, and the son died before him, that doesn't mean, says Rish Lakish, that the son is not the true owner of the field. He is the true owner of the field, just he can't sell it until his father dies. And therefore the sale is a valid sale, which of course the buyer will not be able to get the field or the property until the father dies. We learned in the Mishnah, if somebody did Yibam in a Yavamta, and then she turns out to be pregnant, and she has a baby, and we Mishnah spoke about if there's a viable baby or not a viable baby. Tana, that if she turns out the baby didn't survive, so that should be a raya, that the Yibam was a good Yibam. And therefore, and therefore, we have the question. And therefore, the Allah is Yoytzi Beget. The only way to terminate that marriage, because maybe she became his wife, because ultimately the deceased husband did not have children. The Allah is that she shouldn't remain with him, because the Yibam should not have taken place. But if he's going, but he has to give a get. That if somebody does Yibam in a pregnant woman, and at the end, it turns out that he married her, he did Yibam, he should divorce her and never take her back. Rebbe Leza that we just learned, Rebbe Leza says he has to give her a get. First, Rebbe teaches us a very important halacha, that a person is not allowed to marry a woman who's pregnant or nursing. If he did marry such a woman, Yoitzi, you should divorce her and never take her back. They should not live together. After 24 months, then he could take her back. Then he could take her back. He didn't have to divorce her. 
So we see again, Ramea says that if you married a woman that you shouldn't have, you have to divorce her. You know why Rebeleza is machmer in our sugya? He if he's playing with fire because if there's no chiv yibum, marrying and having relations with this woman is a violation of Yishasach, a violation of the Raisa. Avil Hossam, when the Mishnah talk, when the halacha there speaks about marrying Muberis Chaveroi or Menekes Chaveroi, it's only Isid Rabbanan. And maybe Rabbanan Sfirlei that he doesn't have to, that he doesn't have to divorce her and never be allowed to take her back. Inami or the other way around. At you know why Rameh is so strict over there? Ela Meshum Drabonon. There it's an Issa Drabonon. And there's a rule that Chacham also Chizalik Devreim Yosem Shatayra. Chacham are more concerned about their rules more than their rices. Avel Hocha, their rice. If everybody knows that a woman who's an Ashes Ach, and it's not a setting of Yibum, there's an Issa Deraisa. We don't have to be so strict to make rules. Mifresh Prishman are on their own. People will separate, and there's no rule, reason to make rules. And according to Chamim, that somebody made Yibim with a Muberis, then we should wait, says the Mar-Yotzibaget. Rebbe agree that she get divorced, and then they could get remarried. The, the Bryce's words, the Chamim said Yotzi. Yotzi doesn't mean that's separating. It didn't say just separate. Shmamino. Here the Gemara taught us the concept of Chacham also chizuk the Devreim, Chacham are more concerned with Devreim Yosef Mishal Torah. So I saw that Rabbi Vadi Yosef Zitzal gives a beautiful explanation from from Rabbi Yonason why Chacham also chizuk the Devreim Yosef Mishal Torah. He says that there was once somebody who was a god, and the god is. Tell somebody that you're not allowed to be in a certain place. And this person, and the person who he was told, doesn't listen. And the person kills him for doing so. So certainly, the God who did that will be punished. Why will he be punished? Because, why did you kill somebody just because he was standing where he wasn't supposed to be standing? You should know that ultimately that doesn't really mean that much. But if there's some, if there's a god outside the palace, so that's where somebody was inside the palace, and the god told him to leave. But if somebody was outside the palace, and the god told him, don't enter the palace, don't trespass, and he doesn't listen, the god has a right to shoot, says Rabbi Yonis and Eibchitz. The Divrei Daraisa or what the Torah tells us we may do or we may not do. And therefore, the Torah is very clear. Do, don't do, and if you do, you, you will get punished. What punishment? But the Rabbanan are here to protect the Raisa. They're like the God that's standing outside the palace. The God that's standing outside the palace, the God that's standing outside the palace, we're much, strict, we're much stricter about. Here the Gemara also taught us the Alokha, of Laisa Adam Muberis Chaveroi, a person not allowed to marry a woman who's pregnant, or Menekes Chaveroi, you're not allowed to marry such women. And the Shulchan Aruch, when it quotes this thin, and Evan Ezra Simon 
Yud Gimel, Sif Yud Aleph, says that this rule applies under all circumstances. But the Chach Mishleima and other Paiskim discuss what will be the halacha if you have a woman who's not nursing, or nowadays very few women nurse all the way up to 24 months. Will And the woman got married during that time. What will be the halacha? So the Chach Mishleima and the Shalos Chuvas Chesel Avram takes somewhat of a lenient approach, and Ramosha Zatzal and Shalos Chuvas Igros Moshe Evan Ezachel Gimel Simentes also takes a lenient approach. The obvious question on that is that we know Ain Bezdin Yochel Vatel Bezdin Livri Bezdin Chaveroi Elm Ken Golmi Menach B'Chachma Minyan. No later Bezdin can nullify what an earlier Bezdin said under any circumstances. So Ramosha wants to say that the earlier Bateidinim did not say their rules under the circumstances with which we live, Bezmanazeh. But there are many Paiskim that are not that lenient. The Shalos Tshuva Shalom Meshiv, Badur Kama Chelik Aleph, Simon Chabez, has an interesting story where there was a woman who lost her husband, very poor woman, with a number of children, and this woman there's someone willing to marry her. But it's within 24 months of when her child was born. But this woman, the doctor said, should not be nursing. Her nursing harms the children. With all of these considerations, says the Shalom Eshev, Dalocha is Dalocha. Chazal said you're not allowed to get married within 24 months. Even with all of these factors that are mitigating that we should allow this woman to get married. And so too is the opinion of the Chazam Soifer, Evan Ezer, Chelek Aleph, Simon, Lamed, that the halacha is that no matter what the circumstances are, the halacha doesn't allow a woman to get remarried within 24 months or when she had the child, even if she's not nursing, and no matter what, the halacha tells us that this woman has to wait the 24 months.